everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Brightcast by Shipbrite. Uh, this is the Bahamas episodes, episode number seven of this series. Holly Ulrich is here by my side, my partner in crime and in life. And in this episode, we're finishing up on uh, our time in Costa Rica and heading back to the Bahamas where COVID is starting to explode on the international stage in a big way. So we're glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Uh, please leave us a review on Apple iTunes podcasts. Let your friends know if you like this. We'd love to have them aboard as well. But thanks again for listening and we're glad you're here. In the last episode, we just discussed uh, Earth University and how fabulous we both thought it was, um, and it is. And I really wanted to discuss in this episode some of our uh, other excursions we did in Costa Rica while we were there. It was fun. It was a great experience. As we told everybody, you flew on in on March 1st of 2020. I flew in on the 3rd. Tell us, how was it? leaving at oh dark early in the morning from <laughs> Nassau to come see me. Uh, well, as everybody who travels knows, you don't want to you you want to spend as much time in the location of your destination as you can. So, you know, getting up early to take a super early flight always sounds like it is a great idea. And you were you were exploring the city and having some meetings while you were waiting for me or before I arrived out of the Bahamas. So, I had to be up at 3.30 in order to be to the airport at 4.45 so that I could make my 6.20 departure. Um, so via, uh, Costa Rica via Miami. Yes. went uh, Yeah. Bahamas, Miami, Costa Rica. However, it's not as easy it seems. So I flew out super early. Odoc 30 as you like to call it. I can't remember exactly the night before. I'm sure I wasn't up too late, but being the fact that it was the last night for both myself and my sister, it might have been a might have had a cocktail or two. So I probably wasn't as clear-headed as I could have been. So, And I say that because this is the first time I've ever done this, and I, I've never understood how people can do something so boneheaded. However, I got up, get to the airport. I'm on the, on the short one-hour flight uh, to Miami. Flight arrives in Miami around 7.30. Now, my next flight out of Miami to Costa Rica was departing at 9 o'clock. Plenty so of time. I was taking an international flight in an hour and a half, which is generally, you know, they say, like, yeah, two hours minimum. Well, no, I didn't do that. So um, I, I sit in the front of the plane because I know it's going to take time to get from one end of the airport to the other in Miami, and it's always a madhouse there no matter what time of day it is. So I'm in the front of the plane. I'm in seat. I think it was like 1A or 1B. There was no first class in this. It was just... It was an embryo-R. Yeah. So I'm flying. I, I get, throw my bag up in the overhead. I've got my backpack. Um, and I, I'm sitting there groggy-headed, not able to really sleep, but just in a state of, like, just complete fog. Um, plane lands. Get off the plane. And we had to get out. Uh, it was one, like, the, the Miami airport has grown so much that you now, the tarmac, you get out on the tarmac, you walk down the stairs and through these outside corridors that they've created out of concrete blocks into the terminal which has 500,000 people in it <laughs> I'm exaggerating and so I walk through all this and I'm thinking oh my god so many people huh huh up one escalator down the hall 
up an es other escalator. I'm walking for maybe five minutes, and then I suddenly realize, where's my, where's my roller carry-on? I don't have my roller carry-on. I literally grabbed my backpack and walked off the plane and left my roller carry-on in the overhead compartment. So now I'm panicking. I'm halfway up the second elevator and like, holy crap. I literally sprinted up the escalator, sprinted down both escalators. I'm running through the airport now, like those people you see when you're sitting comfortably in your seat and you see people running through the airport. <laughs> that was me. I ran back into the crazy terminal where there's so many people trying to now depart and um, trying to explain to the ladies, my luggage is still on the plane. You know, because I'm now panicking. If once everybody gets off the plane, are they going to think it was, you know, a, a baggage left behind? Are they going to evacuate? Could it be a bomb? You know, like, what is this? So, and I'm still so foggy. I'm trying to explain to them. My bag is still on the plane. It's up, It's right there. It's above seat one. So they're radioing to the guy on the plane. Somehow nobody can find my bag. And she says, oh, they must have taken it off the plane and put it, sent it to baggage. And I'm going, oh no, because the clock is ticking. Don't forget, I have a very short window of opportunity to get to my next flight. So I'm thinking, oh no, please God, no. And I'm saying, are you sure? It was right, it was above my seat, 1A. It was about, well, what color is it? I said, it's, it's black, it's a black. No, I told him it's gray, it's a gray bag because I have two roller carry-ons. One is gray, one is black. I told them it was gray. She goes, no, we can't find it. It's not on the plane. I'm like, it has to be there. So two things. Crazy lady. That happened in my state of chaosness um, was that, number one, I described it as the wrong color. And number two, I hadn't put it above my, my seat. I had put it above the seat above, next to me because the one above my seat was already taken. <laughs> so... Um, but they did manage to say, well, we have another bag here and it has a tag on it that says, no, no, no. They said there's, we do, we did find one and it has a tag on it. Can you describe what the tag might be? And I said, Tradewind, shout out to Tradewinds Aviation, Tradewinds Aviation. They have cool luggage tags. It's a small, small airline, private, private jets. Flies into St. Bart's. St. Bart's and, uh, and the Cape. Uh, so I still have a Tradewinds tag on one of my bags. And I said, it has a Tradewinds tag. And they said, yes, we have it. <laughs> we so, have a winner. Oh, thank God. So now I had to wait for them. And I told the lady, I said, I have to get to my flight. So long story short, I go back through the doors. They let me through, which is something they're not really supposed to do. They let me through the doors. They held on to my passport. I went. I ran up to the plane, was able to get it, ran back, get my passport, and sprinted through the airport, and I did make my flight, thank God. But that that right there was a good 20-minute setback for me. So um, next time you see somebody running through the airport like a crazy person, uh, it's probably because they are a crazy M person. Moral of the story is write a note on your hand. <laughs> you know, Do not forget yeah, your baggage. Morning. Oh, it was crazy. Well, anyway, so, so where we get to – so let's get back to Costa Yeah, America. so so much fun. So – I we had done, I had done a little bit of research, so we were leaving Earth University, and we basically were going into a long weekend. And uh, I, there are a lot of people, I'm sure, listening who've been to Costa Rica that you know all these fabulous spots to go. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, uh, first time we've ever been to Costa Rica, so I kind of just went with what was 
kind of like the most popular one was Hako Beach, where my son yeah. had gone there and his wife, they'd gone surfing. Now, when I said this to my Costa Rican friends, they're like, yeah, there are a lot of other really great places to go to. Hako's kind of, you know, I don't want to say honky-tonk, but that's what they said. Uh, but yeah. it was like, we didn't know, yeah. but we enjoyed it. We so. had a great time at Hako. But so, and also before that, we... You know, just, uh, you know, you know, I love to try new foods out all the time. So, oh, yeah. Back, so back to just, back to even, even arriving there, I mean, literally, I got there at noon and I have a picture of myself at 12.13 sitting with an imperial beer in my hand, which is beer of the of Costa Rica, an imperial beer in my hand and ordering some food because I hadn't eaten breakfast. Um, I had ordered a fabulous dish, Costa Rican dish called chifrijo which is like uh, it's like beans and mine had ham in it and like mango Eating and local. it's just chopped up it's delicious so a good plate of delicious food mm. hung out at the air uh, the hotel for the, the hotel. day which had a beautiful pool and birds and that was really yeah. cool we have some cool video of that so we left earth university we came back to san jose for the night uh, traveled up. We stayed at the hotel. We went to uh, one of the oldest restaurants still continually serving in San Jose. So the next day, we after we spent the night in the hotel in San Jose and went to uh, San Jose's oldest restaurant, uh, we then hopped in a van and went down to Hako, yep. down, to the, uh, down to the Pacific. Yes. And Hako was nice. I mean, we enjoyed it. Um, we did get to... The beach was beautiful. They had gorgeous sunsets. It was Black Sand Beach. I didn't necessarily it, like that a lot because I yeah, want to be dark. able... Because, you know, in the, in the Bahamas, yeah. you go in and you get to see where your feet yeah, are and what you're stepping you on. Some. Yep. Well, they were also saying signs on the beach saying when you're, when you're walking... In, in the water, drag your feet a little bit so that you don't step oh, on. Yes. <laughs> step on like sea, sea um, rays. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was. I remember that for you. And but the water, I remember, was so warm oh, yeah. and comfortable and beautiful. And the beach was so long. We would get up, and again with it being hot, we would take our walks on the beach early in the morning or late in or the afternoon. late in the afternoon, right before sunset. Um, and that was gorgeous. Picked up some nice little. Um, shells and things, but and also at the uh, place we're staying at, and uh, I guess at all, all the resorts, it was an all-inclusive. But we always like to eat out anyway. Yeah. But there were a plethora of iguanas. I have never seen so many iguanas in in one spot. Yeah. And in fact, if you got up from your uh, lounge chair yeah. by the pool, uh, an iguana would sometimes crawl up and yep. take your place. And I did on get a towel. photo of that of, a, of the woman next to me got up and the iguana got up and just. Jumped on her chair right after yeah. and just looked at him and said, "You it. need a little bit of moisturizer, yeah. big guy." Uh, <laughs> but we did, we did, we saw the beach, and then we also uh, went to we did an excursion ziplining. So you know, everybody who you ever talked to have been to Costa Rica has talked about ziplining, and uh, people said, "Oh, you got to do it." And usually, honestly, when somebody says, "Oh, you got to go do this," I I kind of get stubborn and like, well, I don't necessarily got to go do that. Uh, but they were absolutely right. Now, I also don't like heights, but we committed to yep. going early in the morning uh, to this place uh, to zip line through the canopy of the rainforest. Wow. Yeah, that was beautiful. It was so fun. Uh, they give you GoPros to put like helmets with GoPros on We'll them. post pictures. And yeah. that was fun. And the, the guides that we were with, we had two guides. Mm -hmm. And one would stay with me and one would go down ahead. And then sort of one would catch you, as, if you will, as you come down. And 
it was very safe and I don't like heights. Uh, and the first, uh, you kind of, you go from like little treehouse to yeah. treehouse or, or platform to platform in, in sections. There were like 17 sections we were doing that day. And uh, the first section, you know, I was like, oh, God, mm-hmm. this is really scary. And, you know, kind of holding my breath as you go across. And, you know, you look down and you're 200 feet or so above. You know, you're you're over the tops of the trees down below in the ravines. And uh, I was like, oh, God, this mm-hmm. is something else. But then after you've done it, yeah. and this is for all you people who, uh, and my buddy Chris Smith uh, felt the same way, you know, for all the people who are a little bit nervous about doing it, it's very safe absolutely do it yeah because uh, after the first platform you go after that it gets it's easy a blast. and then and the b- hardest part is just stepping off i mean that's it yeah. all you gotta do is step off and and then you just sit and enjoy the ride yeah. literally <laughs> I, I promise you that after the first couple of platforms mm-hmm. you go to you're not you have no problem stepping off. in fact you're leaping off yeah. and uh holly was laughing because uh, i was starting to uh hoot and holler yeah. all the way down it was a blast so we really enjoyed Hako. We got to see the rainforest. We got to see the beautiful beach. We got to relax because that time in Earth University was kind of go, go, go. And the, and the drive over and back. Hey everyone, here's a quick word from Anchor.fm, which is one of my sponsors. They provide me the tools to keep this bright cast free. Thank you. So while we were there in Hako and right before we left, you know, Holly and I were talking, we wanted to say something. You know, we, when you're in the rainforest, the the birds mm-hmm. are amazing. The wildlife, you know, from the jaguars, we didn't see any. Uh, no. I know there's snakes. Uh, but all of these furry little creatures. Yeah. And uh, it's an amazing... A diversity of wildlife. Yeah, and listening to the birds. I mean, even from when from our room in Earth University, which we had the windows open all the time, hearing the birds outside, and you know, also in the rainforest, just oh. the gorgeous birds, uh, the beautiful colors. I remember when we were in Hako, one of my favorite things was seeing those the red macaws yeah. flying around wild. I mean, I had only seen macaws before in 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 a, a zoo. Or in a pet store, pet store, or in a pet store. So I had never seen birds like that flying wildly, and the sound they make—they sound oh. like pterodactyls. Yeah. But man, so gorgeous! It was so fun to see them flying around because they lived right in the empty lot, if you will, next to the hotel that we stayed at. Uh, and there were two of them that would chase each other around. Yeah. I mean, this, this this beautiful flash of red oh, and the blue feathers. I mean, so awesome. it, it when then, you ah! see it, yeah. Ah! Well, well, the, the prettier <laughs> the bird, the the the, the uglier, uglier the sound, the, yeah. the song, and and the uglier the bird, the more beautiful the sound. <laughs> but but Holly's right because the both in the uh, down on the tropical plains, the the sound, the cacophony of bird calls mm-hmm. is just so soothing. And we were watching toucans uh, yeah. flying around. Yep. Yeah, I, I'd never that seen one so in the cool. wild, and there they and are. We and did. <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't say enough good things about Costa Rica. And honestly, we've seen like one one-hundredth of, of it, and I, 
I really oh. I want to go back. You know, I I, fa- I failed to mention. You know, one of the meetings I had was with uh, Costa Rica. Por siempre, uh, I think I pronounced that right. Por siempre, I think. Por siempre, yeah, forever. And it was it was their leading conservation group, and I had a fabulous meeting with them, uh, talking about what their mission was, what they were doing, the aid they needed, uh, basically some of the needs. But also, they were such wonderful people, and just talking about their their country. You know, Costa Rica has no standing army, and. Uh, they were joking and they were saying, yeah, well, we, we have the, the national helicopter uh, helps us get some things done. And, and I'm like, the national helicopter? Yeah, we have two. One they use for parts, one they fly. And, I, and I'm looking at them, and, and I think it's like with the Coast Guard, I said, is it a gunship? And, and everyone in the room burst out laughing uh, because they're like, no, we don't have any gunships. We don't have an army. We don't have a navy. We've got a Coast Guard, but that's it. Mm. Uh, Costa Rica really is an oasis of peace, and uh, I just pray that Costa Rica will uh, will stay forever like that. Yeah, They're beautiful people. Yep, they are. So, and now, so we were time to go home. Yeah, time to go home, and you know, now as we know, around this time, COVID was ramping up in in across the world, and honestly, thinking about it now. I was lucky traveling. We both were lucky traveling the way we were, not only in the crowds at the airports, but also that we were able to, you know, make it home okay. Because I think the Costa Rican border closed. Didn't they close? I think right after we left. And and then conversely, we got home and the home home to the Bahamas, and then they were starting to talk about closing down. Well, right before we left. Uh, on the news, uh, Costa Rica reported their first cases of COVID. Right. And and suddenly it started to get yeah, really it was, real. Yeah, for, for us, although it was real in other parts of the world. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so... So anyway, we flew back to Nassau. And right after we got home... Now, Holly's father and stepmother were there staying. They stayed with us for a month. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, we got back and... Shortly after that, the uh, the prime minister shut the country down yep. because of COVID. Yep. And we were lucky to have gotten back in there. Now, you could get out of Nassau, but it was one-way flights. The planes could come in from the U.S. or wherever, empty, yep. and then you could fly back. And the U.S. embassy was urging people to leave. Uh, you know, my uh, public affairs officer, Daniel, had contacted us saying, you know, we're recommending... Uh, that you leave. Uh, we had the dogs. It wasn't as easy because also what happened right. was when those flights were going back, uh, they weren't taking dogs. Uh, there was no uh, right. dogs in the cargo. If 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 they if you couldn't fit in a little bag stuffed under your uh, yep. seat, and yep. ours couldn't obviously, right. uh, you couldn't get your dogs out. Yeah, and there's no way there's no way I'm ever abandoning my dogs for any reason. So it would be like abandoning your children. So um, so we refused. Well, we didn't refuse. We we were encouraged to leave, and we thought, you know what? We felt safer being in the Bahamas than we did going back to the U.S. initially. And also, my dad being there, you know, they had about a week to go after we got back. And, and our plan had been they were going to spend some time, you know, they came down while my sister was there. 
spent time with all of us. Then they were going to stay and watch the dogs in, in Bahamas while we went to Costa Rica. And then we would get back and we had a whole bunch of other fun stuff planned to do with them. But that all stopped because right after we got back, the prime minister, let's see, we got our first case and the prime minister immediately closed schools down within like a day or so. And the prime minister is a physician. Yeah. And, and then, and then it began like all the other things closing down. He closed, um, initially he closed restaurants and things completely, but cruise again, cruise ships weren't coming yeah, in. Yeah. Cruise ships stopping with the cruise ships, you know, so things closed very abruptly. Um, and so we were like trying to figure out what to do with my dad and stepmom and they decided they just, they didn't want to try to scramble to get home early. They were going to you know, stay until, till their flight out. And so that's fine. Um, we did that and, and then some restaurants opened up for takeout only. Yep. So we were able to get takeout and groceries. I mean, everything was closed in the Bahamas. Grocery stores were open limited hours. They, you had mandatory masks immediately. So we were wearing masks pretty much immediately from like well, I say immediately. I guess not really. As soon as they realized that it was transmitted, yeah, no, um, they, that's right. How they it was transmitted? Too. Then they did. They did. But masks were mandatory long before they were here in the U.S. And yeah, we uh, they closed the liquor stores down. Now, if you're going to be in the Caribbean, you can't have access to rum. What is going on in this world? <laughs> Luckily, we had quite the the bar stock, so um, <laughs> so we were in pretty good shape. But yeah, it was. Um, Coming back from such a great time. Well, and then the reality of the pandemic really hit yeah. us. We, uh, you know, we there, the, the university was shutting down. They hadn't, they were trying to figure out what they were going to do. Of course, later on, after we had left, they went uh, to online classes like everybody did. But, you know, they, it was like anywhere else in the world. You're trying to figure it out because, yeah. you know, there were, it wasn't clear how bad this was going to be. Right. And of course, it kept getting worse yeah. and worse and worse and uh, more steps needed to be taken. I have to say, though, it wasn't clear to us, but it was certainly clear to scientists you know, we always say follow the science. You know, my sister works for a large pharmaceutical company in California, and she immediately, before she even left the Bahamas, they were talking about shutting down because they knew it was coming. And um, my sister started working from home nearly immediately when she got back from the Bahamas and still is working from home now mm, to this like, day. Like m many of you yeah. listening. Um, but they, the scientists knew it's just the, the public was so confused because of so many mixed messages we got right. from everywhere. You know, I'd like to That's take this stuff. as kind of a, a segue, uh, because I think what we're going to do, we're going to end up the next episode in the Bahamas will be the last one because I want to talk about a very special place on the Island of Andros and, mm. you know, everyone was doing their part. Everyone was trying, uh, to address this issue as best they could. I mean, there were great hearts, great minds, uh, people really getting on board, understanding what this was all about. And our dear friends, the Birch family on the Isle of Andros has Androsia, which is a batik factory. And they jumped in mm, and started right. making their batik masks yep. uh, that they were giving uh, free to all of the first responders. And I'll pick some pictures of it because there's a great picture of Jeff Birch, who runs Small Hope Bay Lodge, uh, which owns uh, Androsia, giving uh, some masks to uh, the local uh, commissioner of the island on mm -hmm. Andros. 
But we'll talk more about that because that's a special place. Yeah, we do love it there. It's a great place. And and Jeff has a big heart, and it was great for him to turn you know his iconic shirts in and fabric into masks. You know, he she sprung into action in order to keep his little boutique factory. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a small place running and keep those people busy and working and and also help the local community, which was very cool. Yeah, keeping people working. Well, we'll talk more about that with uh, Androsia, Small Hope Bay Lodge, mm-hmm. uh, and diving, and maybe a couple of other stories yes. up there. But So that'll be for next episode, but uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll stop here. Okay. Well, this has been another fun time discussing all this. I, I'm happy that you have me joining you for these discussions. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. I like it. Okay. <laughs> As we leave the two series about my Fulbright experience, the Prague series and then the Bahamas series, the one thing that comes to my mind in the recollection is the ability to reach out and make friends from other countries, to sit down with them over a meal, have a beer with them, just hang out with them and understand their life a little bit, to feel what they feel, uh, to hear what they hear. You know, one of the things that uh, Holly and I had the pleasure of doing was uh, because she was working with a lot of Bahamian chefs, to getting the food out the door to all of the people who were displaced and at the centers in Nassau, as well as when they were first having to get the food up to the island of the Abacos and Grand Bahama, we had the opportunity to be invited to to parties that you know that the local chefs were were throwing, and and these would have been people that we would have never seen if you're there as a tourist. These are the invisible people behind the scenes that are making your food or making your beds or you know doing all of the stuff that uh, is key to your enjoyment as a uh, as a visitor a guest in their country. And, you know, the Bahamians know that tourist industry is their bread and butter and they do it well. They truly focus on it. There is a lot of training in the hospitality industry and they really know how to turn on the charm and just dazzle you with um, the great Bahamian smiles, the music, the art, you know, just the vibe because in their heart, that's who they are. But being able to go and being invited to these parties uh, where, to be frank, we're the only white people there. You know, we didn't really even think about it because it just wasn't, it wasn't an issue. But I, I loved being able to sit down with the women, the Bahamian women, the moms, and telling, having them tell me about how they worry about when their sons go to, say, Florida, because they all go over to Florida. Everyone from the Bahamas, you know, it's got relatives over there and they do a lot of shopping there and go hang out. You know, there are times, living on an island is great and it's idyllic and you're sitting there thinking, oh my God, what a wonderful place to be, the turquoise waters, the palm trees, the sand, the sun, the fun, the rum. But, you know, the fact is, anywhere you go in the world, you're going to get a little bit of uh, rock fever and you got to get off it. But I remember talking to one of Holly's uh, co-workers and uh, we were having this wonderfully soulful discussion. And she told me how whenever her son goes there, she worries so much. 
And I was like, why? And she said, well, you know, if you're a black male and the police pull you over, you know, I as a white male, when the police pull me over, they're my friends. They're here to protect us, right? You know, that's just the way we grew up or I grew up. And but that's not the way. And to really hear this mother's fear, because if you're a black male and you get pulled over, guess what? You know, you're already being pre-screened or you're already you're already two strikes. You know, so you do something uh, that I would do, like, you know, go grab your hands or put them in a pocket or something like that. You know, bad things happen. And I never I've heard about it intellectually. I understood it, but I didn't hear it until I heard it from the heart of a Bahamian mother. And it really hit me hard. So black lives matter. Anyway, our time in the Bahamas living there uh, was fantastic. And I would ask you listening, if you're going to go take a vacation, head on down to the Bahamas. They could use the help. Dorian, they're still real from Dorian. And they're a beautiful people. It's a beautiful country.
Thanks, everybody, for listening in again to another edition of Brightcast by Shipwright with Holly by my side here talking about our adventures in Costa Rica and then back to Nassau. We really appreciate you being here. If you enjoy this, please tell your friends. Please hit subscribe. Love to get a review on iTunes. Uh, but most of all, we're just glad you're here. Thanks again and welcome aboard.